You know, most of you here are familiar with casinos. Uh, if you're going to go into a casino, you'll see people um, playing all sorts of different gambling games, right? They'll be uh, doing the slot machines. They uh, might be uh, playing uh, blackjack at the tables. Uh, they're betting on roulette. Uh, they're doing all these different things, and what they're hoping to do is, through a mix of their skill and luck, they're hoping to win. Uh, that's why you go in to those casino floors. You're hoping to play those games and, and hopefully, uh, and a lot of those people have different strategies that they're sure will help them win. Uh, that's what you would see on the casino floor, but that's not all that's going on in the casino. Uh, there's the world of the casino floor, but there's a whole other world behind that casino floor, and that world is the world of the casino operators, the ones who are running those casinos. Um, that's the world we don't directly see, but those people are there. They're in a room overseeing all that happens within that casino. And what they're doing is making sure that the people are, are winning and, and, and having a good time, but not winning too much. They're there to make sure, to watch over all that happens, to ensure that in the end, the casino wins. The casino makes the most money by the end of the night, by the end of every night. And they have strategies to make sure that happens. So uh, casino operators will, they look into game theory, they have psychologists, sociologists on staff to do all the things that are necessary so that people uh, will, will have a good time, but have not so much a good time the casino does badly. They want to make sure that they have enough of a good time and give enough of their money so that the casino makes profit, huge profit. It might be sending a free drink when someone seems to be on a losing streak, which makes them feel like, oh, this is going well. <laughs> it might be, um, uh, well, making sure that the bet, the minimum bet at a blackjack table is just high enough so that, again, enough people will win, but over the course of a night, more people are losing so that they still win, the casino still wins. It's literally programming the slot machines so that the payouts that are given aren't so much so that, in the end of the day, again, the casino will win. Um, people who are in those casinos, they think often that what they're doing is they're in a struggle against random cards, a little bit of luck, their skill, and the skill of other people. But that's not the real struggle. The struggle is really against the casino operators, and as they say, the house always wins. <laughs> that's the real battle. And I, I, I tell that, I relay that story as a way for us to sort of get around this concept the Bible talks about called spiritual warfare. The topic, spiritual warfare, is, is a way of the Bible speaking to the fact that there's a reality that we see in front of us. It's what you see and taste and touch and feel. That's that reality, the reality that we live in, right? But that's not the only reality that exists. There's also a spiritual reality, and that spiritual reality is full of, of evil forces, <laughs> of evil spirits, supernatural beings, the Bible refers to as Satan, as demonic spirits. Uh, and as we try to sort of navigate through life, as you try to navigate through your life, you often are thinking that what you're trying to do is, is get through your life through a mixture of your own skill and luck. And the Bible wants to say that there's more going on there. There's, there's more that you're trying to navigate against. And spiritual warfare is referring to these evil forces towards Satan and demonic forces. And the fact that they have huge influence on us, huge negative influence on us, and that we are very susceptible to that influence. We don't have the control that we think we do. We like to think that we do, just like gamblers like to think they do. But just like gamblers are really up against a much more powerful enemy, the casino operators, in the same way we're up against something that's really powerful, that we don't have the power 
to bear in the same way that they do. They interface with reality in ways that affect us, uh, that draw us away from God and more into ourselves. And, and I say this to say that I realize we're in a day and age, modern America, where like there's doubt about this. Like spiritual warfare, Ramon, right? Like the devil with a pitchfork and horns, right, and red. Are you, this is what we're talking about here? Um, and so we sort of, uh, uh, in many ways, uh, made this a kind of a cartoon type of thing, right? And I, I just would say, in spite of all that, from very early on in human history, in the very beginning of early human history, we've always told stories. Some people, some cultures call them ghost stories. They call them other things. Stories that sort of our way of, of just very early on in human history, we have to admit that there's more going on than what we see. It's been interesting to me how no matter the culture, no matter the people group throughout history, there's always been this sense that there's things that are outside of our control. There's things that are a bit chaotic. There's things that happen that we can't neatly explain. No matter the culture, no matter the technology of, of that culture, no matter the advancement of the culture, we always have had that sense there's things that we can't quite completely explain and understand. We've long had that sense. There are other realities and forces and powers, no matter how modern we might be. And I just would say here, when we look at sort of the Africans, I think they're, they're, they're helpful in a sense. I think they're more willing to admit that, more willing to recognize, more sensitive to the fact that there is a spiritual reality that affects our reality. Now, let me, hear, let me say this, that there's, it's a little bit of a misnomer every time we say Africa, right, because Africa is a huge continent. There's 54 countries in Africa, thousands of cultures, right? What, what is Africa, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. And so I say that to say that, like, not all of Africa is this way. There's just, it's too big. There's too many different countries. But it is true to say a lot of Africa, maybe even most of Africa, has, as part of their, and their, even in their thousands of cultures, have had this greater sensitivity to a spiritual reality. There's something going on more beyond what we see, a spirituality that affects and influences our reality. And in particularly a sensitivity to these evil spirits that affect the things that happen, that influence the things that happen in people's lives. Now, unfortunately, what's happened for many African people is it's become almost a, an outsized fear. Um, and so, a lot of the reading I've done shows how like, it's almost to the point where everything that happens is because of these invisible forces. So uh, sickness, any sickness or disease you have, any run of good health, it's because of those spiritual forces, whether, how well you interact with them. Any successes that you have, any failures that you have, your ability to get a particular political position or a particular uh, job, your ability to get good grades, your ability to get married, your ability to have kids, all those things, uh, African peoples are, are sort of always, always afraid whether or not they've done enough to make sure they get what they want or they've done enough to protect themselves from things happening that prevent them from getting what they want. So in many countries, uh, people are always looking for protection and resources to sort of help get control of the spiritual realm, uh, consulting with, with witch doctors or diviners or medicine men or women. The belief is that, like, you can practice enough of a witchcraft to make sure good things happen, or maybe you want to make bad things happen because you have someone you don't like, and so you want bad things to happen to them. Um, you know, in, in saying this, let's, let's also, I should also mention, it might be easy to think, like, well, this is poor people doing this who are uneducated. Well, in fact, um, it's, it's everyone. It's rich people. It's people who own uh, oil companies and, and businesses. It's even churchgoers. Who when, especially when unfortunate things happen, when bad things happen, it's almost like, well, let me just make sure. 
Let me consult these things. Let me look to witchcraft. It's why uh, in one article I was reading in 2016, a Ugandan parliament house speaker uh, went to a shrine to say, offer thanksgiving to their ancestors because they got reelected. The vice president the year before did the same thing. These are sort of high up political leaders. Even they sort of have this sense that, well, first of all, there's a spiritual reality and I've got to do something to make sure that reality, make sure my reality goes the way I want it to. Now, unfortunately, the result of this hasn't been as helpful for, for, for people uh, as, as maybe they would want it to be. Uh, so one Ugandan pastor um, was talking about how in his country, people are losing tons and tons of money. There's these unexplained murders, right? People thinking they need to, to kill certain people to get certain results. There's sexual abuse and rape. All of it in the name of trying to manipulate the spirits, to get power over the spirits, to make sure, again, things happen in the way that they want it to happen because of how out of control and chaotic life is. I say all this to say, like, this is not something we should look at those Africans and be like, man, why, they don't get it. Like, how come they don't get it? They're kind of stupid, right? Um, again, I do think what the African people are recognizing is something we too quickly don't want to recognize. That life is chaotic and out of control, and there are things that influence us and affect us. And they have great power and ability to influence and affect us. A spiritual reality full of evil forces. And I say that not suggesting that this is sort of a license to go around and say, well, the devil made me do it, right? Your Wi-Fi goes out and like, curse you, devil. I can't finish that Netflix movie, right? That's not, <laughs> I think he probably wants you to finish it, right? Like that's not, it's not a way of just to, <laughs> to make you think every single thing, every last little thing, you didn't get that last parking spot, that's the devil, right? That's not what we're talking about here, right? It is possible to go overboard on this. It's also possible to underreact to this. Maybe that's more of our temptation, to undersell this, to be too ignorant and too dismissive. That there's things in this world that I would argue, they're not just bad, they're evil. They're, they're, they're demonic. They're so, they're such particular nature, so personalized, so personally destructive to people. I think the word demonic and evil is the, and we, we undersell it to say that's bad. Like, in fact, the better word for it is that it's, it, it has almost an ancient evil behind it. It's supernaturally evil and demonic. Things that are common to our world now, right? So it's common now for, for kids right now, right now, as we sit here, there's, people, there's kids being shamed on social media to the point that they've developed suicidal thoughts or eating disorders. That's common, right? That's not just bad. That's, that's demonic that kids... In this age, this, in this, this time period where they're trying to just, just figure out their life, they're having to deal with thinking of killing themselves, thinking of their own body image issues. Right now, uh, hardcore pornography is passed around as easily as sending a text message. Right? Think about how easy that is. I'm talking about like things that, that brutal, I'm talking about pornography that like brutalizes women. Like you're watching women be tortured in the name of, of sexual pleasure. So that you can even put the two together, and it's passed around as easily as a text message. I'm talking about a, a culture where I mean, we're, we're, we feel this now today. So sort of the visions that are happening now where long-time relationships, relationships of spouses, of families, of church members that have existed for years and years and years, sometimes overnight, over a few days and weeks, fall apart. They become toxic, and those people now never talk to each other over just a couple things. They've fallen apart. Like that's, 
Here's something beautiful, a relationship that you have with someone over years or decades, and boom, gone. That's not just bad. I think it's, it's demonic. It bears the elements of something that Satan and his demons would want to see happen. More personally, just think how often you look at your anger, and the anger gives way to something worse, to losing your temper in a really bad way. Think of how often maybe you have jealousy and it gives way to intense envy and obsession. Think of how you have a desire for comfort and attention and it gives way to spending so much money you fall deep into debt. It starts here, but it goes deeper. It goes into something that enslaves you, that traps you. Ephesians 6.1 talks about, uh, 6.11 talks about this idea of the schemes of the devil. That word I think is very deliberate, the schemes of the devil. It's a ways in which these evil forces use lies and deception. So truth mixed with a lot of lie. <laughs> a little bit of truth, but with a lot of lie. The ways in which uh, these personal directed attacks are used to help you accept things that you shouldn't accept. Fall into things that you shouldn't fall into. Trap you in destructive habits or behaviors. All this is happening. All this is part of a reality. And it's a bit depressing <laughs> when you think about it in this way. Uh, it can feel overwhelming. Well, what do we do? I mean, here's what we, we're facing. Here's what even perhaps well, many countries are facing. Here's what Africans, many Africans are facing. What do we do? Well, there's another story to be told about Africa, and it's the growth of the faithful African church. <laughs> that there is a church, a faithful church in Africa that actually is thriving and growing. And how are they thriving and growing? Well, uh, it's because yeah, they do take seriously the reality of spiritual warfare. But they realize the way to deal with it is by looking to the best resource we have, isn't it? By looking to what the Bible says. It's the balance of not overreacting to it and not underreacting to it. It's looking to the help that we are given in God. And one of the passages I think that most helps us do that is Ephesians 6. And so we, we read it at the beginning of, the, of our time. Spend a little bit of time here today. Ephesians 6, I'm going to be looking just at verses 10 to 13. Let's first just see how the Bible helps us understand the reality of what we face. Uh, let's look at verse 12 of that passage. It says this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So look, we're, this is not rock, scissors, paper here, right? This is not, that's not the, the description of spiritual warfare we got here. This idea of wrestling has this idea of like hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's a real struggle. It's a battle against a powerful enemy. Look at all the descriptions used in verse 12. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil from the heavenly realms. These are all ways for Paul, who's the author of Ephesians, all ways for him to just sort of reinforce that we are against ancient supernatural enemies who have had centuries upon centuries to study human beings, who have all the lies and temptations and deceptions at their disposal to cause us to draw away from God and from the love and peace that he has and into something that we think is good for us but actually pulls us away from what God has for us. It's a way of him saying, look, you all are in some deep trouble. We all are in some deep trouble. Six times the word against is used in that verse. Like it's, when the Bible repeats things, it's trying to really say against, against, against. It's trying to help us see this is a struggle. This is a battle. It's a big battle, and we are already outnumbered and outgunned. On our own, 
Like, there's no worth, there's not even worth talking. Like, we, we lose every single time on our own. But we're not on our own, are we? We have powerful help. Amen? We have powerful help. Look at the, let's look back up at verses 10 to 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It is possible, Roosevelt, to fight back. It's possible to stand against the schemes of the devil. How? By being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Which looks like this. We put on the whole armor of God. So on one hand, we might underreact to this, right? Act like it doesn't matter. That's not good. On the other hand, we might overreact to this, right? Think that what the, the key here is we got to gain control over these things. That's also not good. In all those scenarios, it's always focused on us, our reaction. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we sort of, what, what ways do we not or, or, or should respond to these things on our own? The key here, what the Bible is trying to teach us is that what we must do is not look to our own devices, our own strength. We have to look outside of ourselves. We have to admit we need help and then receive help. The only help that God can give us. See, those of you who are trying to figure out Christianity, like this is, this is one of the keys to unlocking Christianity, to being a Christian. Here's, here's what it is. Christianity fundamentally is just admitting that you need help in this life and receiving that help. Admitting you need help. You can't do this on your own. And guess what? Help has come to you. What kind of help? The help that God has already given us in Jesus Christ. So when you read the armor of God in verse, 10, in verse 10, what's the armor of God? The armor of God that he has given us is in fact Jesus. That's why the Bible talks about putting on Jesus. We're putting on the armor of God, the strength and power of God that's found every single time. The moment you believe in Jesus and every single time you continue to trust in and believe in Jesus. Admitting you need help and receiving the help that is Jesus. Our help is in Jesus. You see, in Jesus... Our sins, and that means your tendency, your natural inclination to give in to those temptations that draw you away from God. In Jesus, your sins are forgiven. The power they used to have over you is broken. In Jesus, you now stand righteous before God. That means God looks at you and sees you as right and good and not guilty in front of him. That means every accusation that the devil or his demons Throw your way to tell you that, yes, you're going to give in to that habit. Yes, you're going to give in to that tendency. Yes, that failure and trauma will trap you. Every single time the accusation comes in Jesus, you can say, that ain't true. I am righteous in God, established in him. That is the truth. That is the reality. In Jesus, we gain the insight and wisdom that we need so that we can see through those deceptions. And we can see through those temptations and see the lie that they are and reject them every single time. This is not about depending on our resources, on our abilities, on our skills. It's about depending on the resources and the skills and abilities that God has given us which is Jesus. We put on Jesus. As I like to say at Roosevelt, we often say at Roosevelt, we want to put on all of Jesus. Notice it says the whole armor of God, that means all of Jesus. We put on all of Jesus to protect us, all of him. And Jesus gives us all of him to protect us and secure us. Jesus gives us all of his righteousness. He gives us all of his peace. He gives us all of his truth. He gives us all of his love. That is what you have. That is what secures you. 
that is what protects you. No matter the enemy that you face, no matter the battle that we're in, here is the reality. Here is the truth for us. Because we're in Jesus then, this then makes sort of very real for us, I think, some very practical things that then enable us and help us. So let me sort of, as a way of applying this, give at least three practical things that stick out to us, especially in light of what we see from the African people in the African church, things I think that are especially relevant when we see their example. To put on Jesus looks like very practically some things that we can now really grab a hold of and use to help us as we face this spiritual battle, as we face, yes, Satan and demons and ancient supernatural forces, you have Jesus, and now these are three things that we can do that help us be secure and have victory in Jesus. Number one, it's the power of community. Uh, All for one and one for all, right? Community is essential. One of the things I think is worth looking to when you see the African church and African culture in general, and I think the African church has then really sort of really helped embody this and made it powerful, is that sense of community. That those are, many of those cultures are cultures that see themselves not just as individuals, right, trying to get through life, as part of something bigger than themselves, as part of not just of a family, an extended family, a tribe, a neighborhood, a people. It's a, the, the, the vital nature of community to help us. When we put on Jesus, what makes us really then be able to grab a hold of all of Jesus is the degree in which we grab on to the community of Jesus, the people who are around you. One of my biggest burdens, one of my most ongoing sorrows in ministry, and I'll, it will always be this, is how, and I've been in ministry 16, 17 years now, um, one of my biggest sorrows is how often people, when they're in some type of difficulty, and I look at the difficulty, and it's like a major one, and it's like a, we could tell it's like a spiritual attack, it's hitting them, and I think spiritual attacks, you know, if you want to know what a spiritual attack is in your life, it seems almost especially personalized to you, right? something that especially wants to trap you and enslave you, hitting at your weak points in your, in your, in your the things that especially get to you. So I see that happening in people's lives, and the sorrow for me is how often when that happens, people turtle up. In other words, they draw in. They, the instinct is to pull away from everyone, to sort of like hunker down, right? And, and the sad thing for me is that 100% of the time when they do that, 100% of the time I watch their, their faith get weaker, the love for Jesus begin to fade, even if doing that, at least temporarily, helps things be better, as people pull away from other people, particularly other Christians, and they begin to sort of just isolate themselves, 100% of the time, years down the road, they love Jesus less, they believe less, 100% of the time. Here's the thing, when you face difficulty and trial, especially spiritual warfare, you have to fight the instinct to pull away. That is not the time to pull away. That is the time to reach out all the more to to other believers, healthy believers, right, who are spiritually healthy. That's all the more to reach out to them and find the strength that is the community of Christ. Notice those verses, every time it says you, you you know, you put on, when it says you, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When it says later on, that you're to take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day in verse 13. That you is a you all, right? It's that you all together are able to do this. It's not just you as an individual. It's true as individuals we have to do this. But this is written to a church, a community of people. It's us together that are able to stand against the attacks of the enemy. That Jesus empowers us in particular when we stand together. 
all the more should you reach out to other people to maybe they need to challenge you, maybe they need to encourage you, maybe they need to hold you up in prayer, maybe all sorts of different things that healthy churches do and healthy communities do. Don't pull away. Reach out all the more when you go through those things. That's one. Uh, we are in Jesus, and the practical tool of community is one of the things that helps us grab a hold of all of Jesus. Number two, let's call it the, number two is the one-two punch, right? The one-two punch of Bible and prayer. Um, there's a, verses 14 to 17 list a lot of different things that are involved in sort of putting on the armor of God, putting on Jesus. I won't go through all of them. If you, I encourage you, maybe in your families or in a small group, it's worth going through all of these, but here's, I'm just going to draw on some of the things. So, again, I'm not giving even an exhaustive list of all the ways in which we put on the armor of God and put on Jesus. But here's, I do want to highlight verses 17 and 18 in that list. Um, and it says here that basically we are to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's verse 17. In verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The best things we can do against spiritual warfare and, and putting on Jesus is to use the Bible, the powerful weapon that is the Bible. You realize, like, this book is full of words and stories and poems and music that Satan and the enemy hates because it comes from God. It's full of it because it's full of truth. It's full of truth that will challenge us and convict us and encourage us and bring us in all sorts of directions. It's full of things that sometimes we don't understand. God uses all of it, all of it to help us. We have a powerful weapon in the Bible. Use it. Use what it says there. Use, meditate what it says there. Sing what it says there. Talk to other people what it says there. Pray through what it says there. We have a powerful weapon. To put on Jesus means using the weapon that is the Bible. It also means using the weapon that is prayer. I talked about this last Sunday. And so I won't go too long into this, but just to say that prayer, again, is a way in which we have direct access to God who wants to help us and is able to help us. Here, I think the example of the African church is, is, is really helpful. I just notice in the stories I've read um, how the African church prays very specifically against spiritual attack. Because one of the things they're recognizing is that, yes, it shows an awareness that this is happening. This is real. We don't want to ignore it. But the way they pray, too, is it's bold. It's fervent, right? It's, 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 these aren't sort of rinky-dink prayers. Right? It's God Give us power and victory over these things. Help us to defeat this temptation. Help us to defeat this habit. Help us to defeat this thing that has trapped our family, our marriage, our community. It is bold, fervent prayers, and God answers them. Why wouldn't God want to answer those kind of prayers? But, of course, some prayers, let's just say, that require us praying a long time over a period of time. That's how God works those things out. We want to pray short over a short period of time, right? Like, we're, we're not using all the weapons on arsenal. Like, the full arsenal of prayer is praying all the time, right? Sometimes we need to pray a short prayer. Sometimes we need to pray a long prayer. Sometimes we need to pray over periods of months and years. All those different ways of prayer, God already says you'll answer. And especially, God wants us to defeat the enemy. Use the Bible. Use prayer to help us. Last thing I'll mention here is the shield that is faith in God. One of the most practical tools is that we have faith in God, and that is a shield for us. Verse 16 says that we take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So think about this. The shield of faith, that means 
What protects us is our faith. Faith in what? In God. <laughs> so it's believing and trusting things about God that helps protect us when the enemy attacks us and wants to draw us down. It's believing that God, this is Psalm, verse, uh, Psalm 18 says, that God is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Have faith that you have a God like that. Believe that God is this way. Because he is this way. He has already given us himself in Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? You have God. That is the answer to all you face and will face. It's the one thing especially to know and believe and trust in. That you have God. And get this, God has already won the battle. It's one of the key things that sort of locks us all into place. When you're believing and trusting in God to be your rock and refuge and fortress and all those things, when God then comes into your life in Jesus, you already have him carrying the victory banner for you. Colossians 2.15 says, He, that's Jesus, has disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The war has already been won in Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. The power of sin and death that Satan and his demons want to exert over you and grab you and enslave you, that power has been broken. It's been broken forever. So the evil that you face and that sense of spiritual attack that you feel, it's not one where you got to wonder, like, what's going to happen to me? Faith in God and in Jesus means his power and his security, which is the power and security of the God in heaven, has wrapped itself around your life. It's so secure to you and protect you that the attacks of the enemy are the attacks of a wounded and dying enemy. That's a different way to think about this. This is a real struggle. So get, get me, hear me here. I'm not saying like the attacks of the enemy are, are like are, are insignificant. They're still deadly. Uh, they still want, you, there's forces in here that still want to draw you into the deepest temptations into the things that will most ensnare you, to make you believe the worst lies about yourself in this world. It's still happening. It would be foolish to ignore those things, but it's coming from like a wounded bear, <laughs> a cornered and wounded bear. It's a real threat. We don't want to ignore it, but the Bible says because we have God and because we have Jesus, we can and will stand strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.11, and in the strength of his might. It's because even in the times when you struggle or fail, Get this, even, even in the times when you struggle and fail and you give in to temptation, even in those times, even when that happens, because of Jesus, you already win. You approach those things already with the power and might of God that says, you may fail and you may struggle in these things, but you will always be led into his victory. That is always your trajectory, no matter what happens in your life. No matter what's happening in your life right now. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians 1, that Jesus is right now, right now, seated in the throne room of heaven, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. To have God in your life by faith means that you are in Jesus. That means you are, spiritually speaking, where Jesus is. That means you are in the throne room of heaven with Jesus right now. 
That's what you have by faith. So that means you are never looking up at your sins, your failures, your temptations, your problems, your issues, your, tra- your traumas. You're never looking up at them. A lot of times it feels that you're looking up at them and you're just worried they're going to come down and bury you and overwhelm you. You look up at the cloud of things that are all around you and you are afraid it's going to fall down on top of you and crush you. The Bible says, by faith in God, you are never looking down at them. You're always looking, you're never looking up at them. You're always looking down at them. You're always looking down at them because you are no longer on earth. Spiritually speaking, you are in the throne room of heaven with Jesus. You look down at them in a position of power and victory. Your sins and your temptations and your problems and your issues and your traumas, they may reach up and try to pull you down, but you've got the higher ground. You always have the higher ground. You always look down at them, always with his power and his strength and his authority in your life because you are in Jesus and Jesus is in heaven, which is where you're at. That is your reality. No matter the realities that come against you and around you, That is your reality. And so that's why, church, we are strong in the Lord and in strength of his might. We're strong in him because we have Jesus. Let's pray that we would live that reality. Lord, thank you uh, that um, the things that are all around us, the things that seem able to crush us and destroy us, Lord God, they never can. They never can and never will. Lord, like I just said, Lord, I pray that you always, Lord, remind us that by faith in you, Lord, we stand with you in the throne room and we look down at them. We look down at them and know, Lord, that the end of the story is no matter how often they may pull us down, we will always rise up. We will always rise up because you have promised to always secure us with you. And so, Lord, for those, Lord, who need help, Lord, help them to admit they need help and receive the help that you can give, Lord. For those who seem to be struggling, Lord, remind them where they actually are and help them to grab hold of what they actually have. To grab hold of Jesus. For those of us who need to grab hold of more of Jesus, Lord, help us to do so. Lord, may we use all that you've given us, Lord, the things that we talked about today, the other things that are listed, Lord God. Um, Lord, the, the things that remind us that we are secure in you, that we're safe in you, that we're protected by you. Lord, do all those things and more. Um, Lord, it can feel overwhelming, especially when we see the nature of the attacks that can come against us, especially, Lord, all of us have certain temptations, certain issues, certain past histories, Lord, that that seem, it seems like they're always wanted to grab a hold of us and define us. Lord, help us to see ourselves the way you do, Um, that we are in Christ. And in Christ, nothing can come against us. We already have your victory. Lord, may us as a church walk in that victory. We call other people to that victory. Give us that kind of power, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.